And then one final race to mention, and then probably never mention again. The Joe Carroll, the old ones created. They're here. Oh, monkey men. Monkey. That, that's why. I, I love the monkey men. They're not They're not important, but... If you're new to oh, they are very it does not come up much. It really does No, they don't. They're great. Everyone loves them. They're great. They'll show up every now and then, and it's always fun when they do, but they don't... <laughs> they're not narratively important. <laughs> they're just funny little monkeys. They're awesome. <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome to Lore Crimes. Today, Hal and Colin will be educating Andy and I on the rise and fall of the Eldar. This is following the war in heaven, so go check that out if you haven't seen it. It is a tragic tale for the Eldar lovers such as Colin, but not so bad to the rest of us. So, <laughs> take it away with the beginner section, Hal. Thank you very much, Eli. So, so, just as we were talking about last time, we just finished with the massive, apocalyptic, one might say, the war in heaven which has completely devastated most of the galaxy. It's just absolutely torn asunder. And this is right after where the Necrons, everyone remembers from last time, have just entered into stasis sleep. And this is what we lead on to, which is the rise of the Eldari. So if you are a complete noob or if you are an expert, you'll definitely enjoy this section. But for those little cheeky beginners out there, the Eldari race are a psychic, magical, spacefaring race. They are pretty similar to like fantasy elves, if everyone is familiar with Tolkien's work. Yeah, yeah they're poor elves. And um, what makes them kind of really different from humanity themselves is that they are much taller, slimmer. They are vastly more intelligent than humans, you know, especially all of us lot in this room. So, so we well, can say I don't that. know about that. Oh, you know, agree to disagree. <laughs> and mm. what's special about the Eldari particularly is they could reincarnate their souls as they pass through the warp upon death. Something humanity itself within Warhammer is unfortunately incapable of, you know, absolutely, you know, we, we, we're protesting everywhere. And this is a something that was quite unique about Eldar within Warhammer itself is that they're not, they're not really human in the way that like in, in Tolkien's work and other places, you can kind of see that they're very, they, they, they almost look like just elevated humans. But within Warhammer 40k, they are very, very alien. They are just completely, they, they don't have any common ancestry within the Warhammer universe. They are almost just, they're almost freaky in a sort of strange way. Sorry, Colin. <laughs> just the throw I'll you under the bus. I'll hold it in. <laughs> it's perfect. And... So this is the this is the beginning of the this is sixty million years in the past. This is the rise of the Eldari, and the Eldari themselves are very technologically advanced. They are absolute masters of technology and use like psychic powers particularly. So they have they're really heavily integrated in that kind of dual use. It's a very it's very different from what we call science in the way that we might understand it, shall we say? As they expand out throughout the galaxy, they are bound together in a kind of very like shared culture so obviously the great place the great thing about earth is that we're all vastly different and we have all have vastly different cultures but the eldari culture is very homogenous we might say it's very 
shared and everyone has a kind of understanding. And this begins with the understanding of Eldari culture itself. So we begin with the pantheon of the gods. So, Ooh. yes. <laughs> so the way we might understand it is, if you, particularly if you are new to Warhammer, it's like the kind of the Greek gods themselves. So this is how they view their kind of pantheon. They are almost relatable, shall we say. <laughs> so the pantheon starts with Assyrian, the king of the Eldari, the god of wisdom, Isha, the goddess of the harvest and fertility, Vol, the god of forges, Kurnos, the god of the hunt. Doesn't say what he specifically hunts, but uh, we can all make he have a little guess. Uh, Gia, who's unfortunately her specialty is lost to time, as we are 60 million years in the past. Mm. We Yes, <laughs> some, some things are perhaps intentionally left a mystery. We also have Hoek, the Wanderer. Specialties are wandering, <laughs> apparently. Uh, like Is that as in wandering with your legs or wandering with your mind? As in, I wonder or I'm a wanderer. Which is it? Oh, probably leave that to the imagination. <laughs> I imagine it's like the enslavers, exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> He's very good at walking off, just waving in the distance. <laughs> He's always ending a film. I was like, that there's, the, there's the god of wandering, and then there's the god of pondering. Like, oh, okay. If only. Or to fair, as we say that, there is also Lilith, which is the maiden. Not uh, Unfortunately, no metal bands involved no in maiden. that maiden. No maidens, as we say. No She's the goddess of dreams and fortune. And then we mm. also have Cain, the god of war. And then, the, the, the god, god of being clapped by everyone. <laughs> the, the god of Games Workshop needs to make someone look threatening. <laughs> oh god! And then we also have, excuse my pronunciation, this one, Kegorak. This is the god of tricksters and also tricking my tongue into thinking I could pronounce that. <laughs> so this is like the entire pantheon. They are, obviously, they are literally gods. They are super powerful and they are they, they are worshipped by many Eldari from their earliest origins all the way to our current times. So the Eldari at this time are, they are un, almost unchallenged in a way. They are conquering vast amounts of territory within the galaxy. The Necrons are gone. And unfortunately, as we talked about last time, some people's favourite, the Krork, who eventually do become the Orcs, they have started to devolve, shall we say. They are they have no enemies really to fight and the Eldari are picking them off and they kind of collapse, shall we say. So as the Eldari Empire has, you know, s sadness for October, if anyone uh, was listening during that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor, poor orcs. So the Eldari Empire is essentially unchallenged. They have no rivals within the galaxy. Their lives are luxurious. They are leisurely. They, have, they really don't have problems which we always like we're all probably thinking damn <laughs> if only we Eldar could, uh, had it on easy mode and they still easy. messed it up yeah. <laughs> typical typical you elves are getting ahead of yourself <laughs> <laughs> one could say they are like rich kids complaining about daddy food. gave them everything yes. and they still messed up the house <laughs> daddy bought me the wrong color of car you know it's just oh. I, we're all you know it's all over and their technology at this time encompasses like everything for them is done in terms of daily chores are done by their psychic powers and their technology. They literally have 
There, there is nothing to do. So this this continues for millions of years. You know, the Warhammer universe is turning, the galaxy is spinning. And, and after an unspecified number of years, obviously everything, unfortunately, peace never lasts and things always end up in disaster. So after the war in heaven against the Gitan, the Necrons and... Sorry, excuse me. After the war with the Kitan and Necrons, the Eldari pantheon themselves, they perhaps they were bored, <laughs> but they, this is when the trouble truly begins. And due into the part of the actions of Lilith and Cain, specifically is Lilith is the maiden goddess of dreams and Cain is the god of war, a deception, shall we say, had taken place. A little, 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 Maybe a little cheeky lie with a grain of truth, shall we say. And this led to Cain, the god of war, slaughtering thousands of mortal Eldari. Oof. So Cain, yes, Cain was, let's just say he was souped up. He, he was not happy. <laughs> so this led to Assyrian, the king of the Eldari pantheon, forging a barrier between the mortal realm and the mortal existence of the gods. He separated them and he made any kind of interaction with the Eldari almost impossible. And so this conflict began escalating. So in this is such this is so far in the Warhammer timelines past that the mythical the, the mythological version of the war in heaven is it has almost replaced what was the war between the Necrons and and the Catan, and it's now the because the war in heaven to them now is essentially the battle between the gods. So Cain, Vol, Isha, and Kurnos all saw titanic battles and treachery that bled into their mortal followers as well. So the Eldari, everything was going down, shall we say? <laughs> Everyone was having a bad time, and this it's not specified. It's left up to the imaginations i always say but this went on for supposedly years and as the aldari typically live up to a thousand years um this just went on forever so finally after after just many people have died it was just awful uh you know, literally war on an unfathomable level. The conflict was settled by Assyrian, the king of the Eldari pantheon, declaring that Cain had settled any slight he had taken or anything he had endured. And the consequences had enough, like enough people had died, let's just say. So it was officially over. And this is where the Eldari society returns to peace. So this is, again, they've returned to a time where they don't. They have absolutely nothing to do, and they kind of have no. They have no more goals to achieve, and so as they keep reincarnating over different lifetimes, they become unfortunately bored. Really, really bored. And we now fast forward. So this is millions of years have happened. The Eldari are unchallenged, and we reach approximately two million years from the modern timeline, which is where humanity has first taken its recognizable form we yeah. are yeah we're, we're in, that's my boys we're in the game so we are you know we are no longer our primitive form we are essentially the beginnings of uh what would be modern man and this is 
this is obviously a big deal. <laughs> we are we are happy to be we're in the game. And with the rise of mankind, uh the Eldari are essentially unchallenged still. They have nothing to do. They are very much nothing is happening for them. But as a result, should we say, of all that has taken place within the both they say both war in, wars in heaven, the warp itself is not good. <laughs> and this is approximately f- about 500,000 years ago. This is approximately when the first ever demon was created. And it was ironically created from the first murder in humanity. So this is obviously not good. <laughs> so this I is a Guinness Book of World Records. That's one for humanity. Yeah. yeah. So we say, yeah, yeah. what a prestigious prize. <laughs> so this is, Bell. let's just say it's, it's uh, our fault. <laughs> it was our fault. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So as we, so, yeah, I mean, if if we had a, if we had like space daddies who were like, here's like everything in the world, maybe you didn't have to do any murder. I'm just saying. Like, it sounds like the warp wouldn't be so humanity bad if the Eldar start, had, you know. Yeah, if the yeah, Eldar yeah. hadn't caused so many problems in the beginning, the order, humanity had to claw no. everything they ever earned. And I say earned with an underline. It was, it was the hell were worth uplifting. Oh, God. So humanity has... Unfortunately, the first demon, so we should say maybe it's the first piece on the chessboard for a great war. And as we fast forward in time, about 8,000 years BC from our own timeline, uh, a child is born in Anatolia and a child who would one day be called the emperor of mankind. And as time is progressing, let's just say the warp is becoming turbulent. So there's a unfortunate... Uh, let's just say the warp is intrinsically related to humanity as much as the Eldar. And during the Middle Ages of mankind, inside the warp, the very first god of chaos, Khorne, the god of war, hatred, rage, blood, let's go. you know, honor, strength, and murder is created. He is coalesced and he is born. This is also unfortunately followed by Nurgle, the god of plague, disease, stagnation, and death. And then we have Zinch, the god of fate, time, evolution, knowledge, the changer of ways, shall we say. And uh, so this is a sort of an unholy birth that has happened in this sort of, uh, I guess, let's say, uh, or in Warhammer timeline. This is early humanity's history. And... As we enter into the near 30th millennium, so this is the Eldari at this time, as as they have been so bored for so long, they have essentially become that they seek excess they seek they seek excitement, excess. They they have no more new experiences except the experiences which we might let's just say it might turn our stomachs. That they seek anything new. So pain and pleasure is taken at every like milestone and any cost to just anything to enjoy themselves and feel alive. And this is slowly, this all this pain, this pleasure, this excess is just rippling into the warp and it starts to birth something new, something something truly evil. And this births the chaos god Slanesh. Really up, epic more like. Yeah, <laughs> big, yeah. big favourite moment for Eli there. And uh, he's smiling. I can see him smiling. So this, <laughs> this, this birth of uh, Slanesh is just a 
apocalyptic event that leaves the material it leaves the material universe scarred and the Eldari themselves are almost entirely wiped out. They can no longer reincarnate as their soul passes through the warp and they are now feasted upon by she who thirsts. And that is essentially the rise and I guess very quick fall of the Eldari. <laughs> are there any questions so far? Any thoughts? Is there, <laughs> is there an Eldar god of arrogance? Because there should be. <laughs> that is probably all of them, shall that, we say. say? That would be all of them, and they all earned it. <laughs> they are basically just the spoiled brats of the universe. It's like they got everything, everything. And even though it's like, oh, humanity made the first demon, they made Slanesh. It's like, oof, mm. that was well, a big one. Oh. Idle hands, idle hands do the devil's work. So, right? is, so is this is this what the expert session is going to be? It's just going to be me for the next forty five <laughs> minutes. Gonna, this is Colin. Colin, Colin has to basically. defend that now for the next ten minutes. Yeah, the next, uh, couple of minutes. Uh, as going to so, be loading my bolter. So that is the very. I say that is the quick way to explain what happened in the let's say the rise and fall of the Eldari. So now I will pass it over to Colin. So before I can defend my precious Eldar, we need to go back again first. You just wait. <laughs> so we go back to right after the war in heaven, the first one. Yeah, the Necrons have gone to rest, which is a good thing for everyone who isn't a Necron. The galaxy still kind of sucks to live in is the problem. Just because they're gone doesn't mean that their damage is. The Sea of Souls, the warp, is more of a mess than it's ever been. And the Quirk now have no enemy to fight, so there is a bunch of green Hulk monsters running around and beating the snot out of anything they run into, for the most part. It was, indeed, the War in Heaven had been so traumatic that the Catan, the Nightbringer, who, just just to reiterate, was shattered by Kane's hand. Yeah, uh, his, yeah. his big win. Sh- big, win for big, win <laughs> big win for Kane, and then the last win Kane ever gets. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, still a big one, though. The problem, though, is that when it was shattered, its pieces just kind of d- disseminating across reality caused races to fear death for the first time ever, pretty much. E- except for the Quirk, again, they didn't care. Uh, they're just, they're always doing their thing. They're always happy. Good old lads. Yeah, but all that being said, it was slowly beginning to heal. Not fully, because the war in heaven was apocalyptic. But it was still healing. It's better than nothing. And the Eldar, now beginning their rise, filled in the niche the old ones left behind, which is that of complete galactic dominance. And as they were in charge of the material world, so too did their gods rule the immaterial world. The mortal Eldar were in the galaxy strutting their stuff, and their gods were doing the same in the warp. And their gods, speaking of, before, during the war in heaven, they were more or less weapons that the Eldar had created. Eldar and or slash the old ones, but now they were true gods that represented facets of reality. Fate, war and murder, complete rulership, the whole thing, the whole shebang, kind of like the chaos gods, but much, much nicer. Well, in a way. (laughs) All right, let's let's not argue that they're nicer than the chaos gods. We can agree on that one. Okay, we we agree. We we concede. Uh, I don't. And Something, all right. Well, something we can agree on is that the enslavers were gone, which is a good thing. I'm well, hoping we them. can agree on that. Most Perhaps. of them were gone. For, yeah. na- for now, for now, at least. Job. 
It took humanity to be like, what is this? What have you left here? What is this? For now, they were gone. Okay. The warp, because the war in heaven, the constant slaughter had stopped. It calmed a little bit. And because pretty much like 80 to 90% of the galaxy had been butchered, there was less food for them available in the material world. So they're gone. And then one final race to mention, and then probably never mention again, the Joe Carroll, the old ones created... They're here. Oh, monkey men. Monkey. That, that's why. I, I love the monkey men. They're not, they're not important, but... If you're new to oh, they are very important. it does not come up much. It really doesn't. No, they don't. But they're great. Everyone loves them. They're great. They'll show up every now and then, and it's always fun when they do, but they don't... <laughs> they're not narratively important. They're just funny little monkeys. <laughs> they're awesome. So, monkey business aside... Uh, now that the power vacuum of the old ones left behind was being filled by the Eldar, they expanded further and further. And because they lived for so long and were able to use their psychic powers at whim to do almost anything, they pretty much did whatever they wanted. There was one brief moment of their history that wasn't great, where another race somehow managed to subjugate them. Which <laughs> it. it this is the deep law here. This is the deep. <laughs> yeah, it's, the it's one of those things lost to history. That race no longer Evolved. exists. They were past tensed. <laughs> oh, uh, but yeah. it's where the term it's where the term monkey comes from, in oh. universe at least. Out of universe, mm -hmm. you look at it, you go, oh, it means monkey. But in universe, it comes from those lads enslaving them. But once that little once that little stumbling block was dealt with. There was nothing stopping the Eldar from achieving complete dominance. Anyone that tried to fight them was swiftly dealt with. Usually that race was no longer a thing. And the only real exception, the only one worth mentioning, is the Quark, or should I say now, the Yorks. The Eldar never did fully eliminate them, though they were regularly purged to the point where the Orcs were a nuisance. And this might be a little bit of my bias slipping in, but there's a decent chance the only reason the orc were allowed to continue existing was it gave the Eldar something to do. <laughs> it's, you know, you wash the dishes, you take out the trash, and then you kill the mushroom men that are trying yeah. to bring your house down. You, you, prune, you prune the hedge outside, and in this mm. case, it's a fungal spork. Or yeah, yeah, exactly oh, this. Well. And the, the hedge has a gun. <laughs> yeah, the hedge has a gun and lots of teeth. Did you just describe yeah. plants versus zombies, like, in a way? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'd be Necrons, really. They're, That's they're a whole... That reference will get old real quick, by the way. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a great reference. It will always be relevant. <laughs> uh, so, it sounds like it's the Elder's fault that the orcs exist too. Hang on. I was going to give, let me give, let's give the orcs some credit. And this is actually me giving them credit. We, they're mushroom spores. And mushroom spores that cover an entire planet, it's not really easy to get rid of all of them. So personally, I'm of the viewpoint that the orcs are just too dead hard, and you can't get rid of all of them. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. you know, let's 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 get the green. Yeah, I still let's, blaming the elder though. All right, you know yeah. what? You, you're you're free to do that. Well, I choose to give the green boys some credit. Technically, blame the old ones for making them. Yeah, they're yeah. they're the worst. Yeah. And I feel like now, if you were the elder, you could just like make a psychic vacuum cleaner or something that just like scoops all the spores <laughs> up. Like they had a lot of time on their hands; they had psychic powers. They could have done something. So they really did do something. They're the reason. Science. They're the reason the orc never became Cork again, because they need to fight to become Cork. You can't really fight a thunderstorm across the entire planet. Ooh. 
they also had help from the Necrons at the beginning stages because they were fighting them too. So we can't give the Eldar all the credit because the Necrons <laughs> did did dent them quite heavily and they disintegrated them. With so yeah, I'm not I'm not giving that point to the Eldar completely. God, tough crowd. <laughs> Before yeah, I sit tough, here shaking in rage for the next forty minutes, I'd like to pass it off to Hal to explain what's about to start for a second time, albeit in a different form. So it's it's a time of peace. We've all, the Eldar have been chilling, sorry, the Eldari have been chilling. And as I said in my previous section, peace never lasts. So this is now the beginning of the second war in heaven. So this is the, this is a full on civil war between the gods of the Eldari. So the true reason that this titanic, uh, I guess, battle doesn't even quite really <laughs> describe it. This titanic clash like happens is because of one person's fault. And this is the Eldar god of prophecy and dreams, Lilith. Lilith was... Could have seen that coming. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the maidens be tripping, dog. <laughs> Jeez. My so, money was on gear. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we don't know what she did, but we know she ruined it. <laughs> She has solid mm -hmm. character energy. So, so Lilith was... Yeah, superpower redaction. Very right. much. So Lilith was spurned by Kurnos in favour of her mother, Isha. Ooh. This is some Game of Thrones stuff here. So, Freud would be having so a field day. <laughs> so this, this didn't go down well, shall we say it. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, as the saying is. So Lilith, in her infinite wisdom as she was obviously the goddess of prophecy and dreams, decided to whisper to Cain where she supposedly foresaw a future where the Eldar god himself was torn apart by the Eldari. She told Cain, knowing that he would take vengeance upon the Eldar because, well, let's just say she, wanted, she was out for blood and she wanted to hurt everybody. The feelings of rejection are strong with this one. She, she did not take it well. And Cain, as he is, he's a god of war, god of murder. He did exactly what was on the tin, and he just just started going ham. If that's the if that's the right way to say it, he just started going ham of Cain, ham okay. of Cain. <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, we're gonna sell that soon. <laughs> Please don't. Yeah. No, no. So Cain <laughs> went ham on the live on the mortal servants, the Eldari, he and. This caused Isha, the, the mother goddess of the Eldari, the goddess of life. She started weeping. A, a, literally, a goddess was weeping as her children were dying. And she went to Assyrian, the king of the Eldar pantheon. And Assyrian was, let's just say he was having none of it. It was, it, it, he did not treat it in a way which was, I need to intervene. He was just disgusted with all of it. And so he decreed that no god shall ever be in, be able to interact with the material world again and vice versa to prevent any kind of any trickery, slaughter, anything. He just wanted it all over. And so he crafted a barrier separating the gods from their mortal followers, which as poor, poor old Isha the mother of the Eldari, which only it only made her more upset, and she began to cry even harder as now she could no longer talk to her children. And I'll pass it off back to Colin for the next part. 
I like to imagine before he, uh, I move on that the first Eldar he killed, it was just some guy taking a walk in the park thinking, what a wonderful day it is. <laughs> and then he looked up and saw Kane rocking him down with the steel chair. <laughs> I, know, I, I just like the ending of that with Isha crying. So like, yeah, basically, even the Eldar gods are crybabies. Fair enough. Okay. You find a mom that is never allowed to talk to her kids again that won't cry. And I'll show you a liar. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. He's <laughs> okay, here to be married. He used to marry a really nice guy in the end. Anyway. <laughs> so Isha and Kurnos, the mother and father of the Elder Race, were still understandably unhappy with this arrangement. And so cut off as they were from their children, these two parent gods still found a way to talk to them. They requested they went to the craftsman god of the Eldar, Val, or as he might be better known, Elf Hephaestus. And they asked him to make spirit stones, which will come into play much later in the Eldar's history. But for now, this is just how Isha and Kurnos would talk to their children. Val was Isha's uncle, and he, he was too nice of an uncle. He couldn't say no, so he made her these spirit stones. And at first, it was always going pretty decently. The, uh, the contact they had with their mortal children, it was in secret. No one found out. But they got more and more confident, which became arrogance that no one's ever going to found them out. And then, sure enough, one day, who but Cain finds out that they're going behind Assyrians and his back and talking to their kids. So Cain goes ballistic, goes to Assyrian. Yeah, that's kind of his thing. He's the god of war. They generally have a one-track mind, and that track is murder. Yeah. So he goes to Assyrian and says, hey, this is... This is some garbage right here. And Assyrian agrees. He says that even though you know they did this out of love, they still disobeyed him, the king of the gods, and they're no longer under his protection. So Cain takes them and torments them for an indefinite amount of time. During this time of which Val was the only one who felt bad for them. And he came to Cain with a deal. He said, Cain, I'm going to make you a hundred swords each of them better than the last, and return, you gotta let them go. Cain agrees, but he only has a year to make these swords, which, even for a god, to make a hundred swords, each of them better than the last, at a certain point, that just takes longer and longer to do. But Kurt Rival is confident. He takes this on, and he works day and night for a year straight, but he can only make 99 swords. The last one is left unfinished on the final day. So when Cain comes calling, it says, hey man, where's my swords at? He slips a mortal sword in, thinking that Cain won't tell, be able to tell the difference, because he's a god of war, probably not terribly clever, hopefully he won't call him out. Which, to be fair to all, it does work at first, and Ish and Kurnos are allowed to go free. And then Cain gets to count, and he goes, alright, one, one, two, three, four, wait a minute, this one's, this one's awful, this one is a regular sword. So, the moment he finds this out, he goes to rage at Cain. Or he goes to rage at Val. He goes to slap Val silly, essentially. Val wasn't Val wasn't idle though. He, in the meantime, he knew that there was always the possibility that Cain was going to find out. So he finishes that hundredth sword, Anaris, and it's better than the rest. It is the best sword the galaxy has ever seen, before or maybe since. 
I will give you some credit, Andy. The Emperor's sword is quite baller. I was just going to say, you know, he's got 99 swords, but the Emp's got one. Hit me. Boom. The Emp's does have one. Mm-hmm. But whether or not, at the time at least, this is the best sword ever seen. Can't believe we slipped that in. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. I, I felt bridging the gap might be best, and if it doesn't work, I'm going to go back to being angry. <laughs> but to get, to get back on track, Vol is still a craftsman. This might be the best sword ever seen. But he's not a warrior, and despite putting up a pretty good fight for someone who's just a blacksmith, Kane strikes him down and chains him to his anvil for all eternity. Which, Gosh. granted, is better than what Isha and Kurnos got, but still not great. It's like a living hell where you're... I guess the way you might have to understand it is, imagine being chained to your work desk <laughs> for all time. The amount I, that's, yes. some, that's some people's personal hell. Like being chained to an Xbox with no controller. Like, I just want to play something. <laughs> Let me make something for fun. I can no. always press the power button. Uh, make you know. make <laughs> me more swords. Uh, but while this was all going down, the other Eldar gods were taking note and more importantly, taking sides. And soon enough, every single one of them but Assyrian had chosen a side between Cain and Vol. And God fought God in something that had never before been seen or since. And this one I will broke no debate on, because in modern 40k, there's no fighting the chaos gods on their home turf. At this point, it was the entire warp going at itself, as God fought God. And it even spilled over into the mortal end once more towards the end of the war in heaven, as there was a certain mortal hero named Eldanesh and Eldar, as you could probably guess. He had fought in the war in heaven, had fought quite valiantly, and was the Eldar's greatest hero. That being said, much like Val, he's not a god of war. And at one point, he fought Cain. He even, at some point, however he managed to do it, he'd got an Anaris, that hundred sword again, and fought Cain. Still didn't matter. Cain struck him down. And this was the final straw for Assyrian. Because he had not taken sides, everyone involved still bowed down to him as the master. And when, between Cain killing a mortal after the separation had been decreed, Vol being chained, Assyrian was like, you're all done now. I'm done with this garbage. You all need to calm down. And so he said... Very naughty boys, he said. Pretty much what it was. You are all acting like children. And he said, this is done. And to make matters a little bit more shameful for Cain, because he'd killed a mortal, he'd cursed Cain. Now Cain, for all time, and it sticks even to this modern day in Warhammer 40k, he would drip blood from his hands so no one would forget what he had done, his, his slaughter of someone so far beneath him. And he gained a title, which, to be fair to Cain, this is just... A metal title like this it, it is not a bad adds, part. Only yeah, this this spice, adds to him. It's spicy. Kayla Mensha Kane, Kane the Bloody Handed God. Which the bloody hands, maybe that's a bit embarrassing. But that title, I mean, that's that's not something to be ashamed of. Mm-hmm. But either way, the war in heaven is over, and there's a line that I would quite like you to read, Andy. That I think oh, okay. sums up what the mortal Eldar were up to by this point. Okay then. <clears throat> The Eldar, now cut off from their gods, but still with the gifts they had already been given, such as the Webway, were now unchallenged once again, not by their gods, 
not by any other races. No one. Yeah, except Yet. it. Yet, and what? then humanity, and then bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Except it. You, you know what? I'll give you credit. You gave that the really cool narrator voice. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Very well done. Thank you. And speaking of, this was more or less the state of affairs for 60 million years, which I'm going to get back to that time span later. You better not forget it. But for now, the unchallenged Eldar ruled the galaxy. But a newcomer to the galactic stage was finally on their way. Humanity, also known as probably everyone listening to this. Unless there's something we don't know. Yo, this podcast uh, in space, my dude? Yeah. <laughs> Unless the Eldar are real and listening in, then they might be unhappy. Uh, but, of course, humanity was, you know, they were just starting out in life. They had just only begun to evolve from apes and all that. This was the first humans, Homo erectus, that kind of humans. But, nonetheless, humanity is well on their way. And to go back to an earlier point, Hal, why don't you... Why don't you let us know what humanity immediately got up to? So this is where we join the timeline about 500,000 years ago. And this is, and it is almost impossible to describe how important this moment is for the entire modern uh, timeline, particularly, and even the Horus Heresy timeline for Warhammer. Uh, 500,000 years ago is, as we had discussed earlier, it was the first murder by a single human. This is the first time that humanity has made a choice and, and a choice that is in it is not survival. It's not anything other than it is an evil choice. And this creates the first ever demon in the warp. The first, what we call like a, a recognizable form of a, an actual demon, you know, the enemy of all sentient life. And this is called Drachnien. This is it's mm. it's and Dra Whoa. yeah, Drachnien. Drachnien itself is an antithesis to humanity. Its name means end of empires. So it is in it is completely tied to humanity itself. It is it is just about any 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 progress we make, anything we do we always build empires? And there is Drachnien, the ender of empires. He will follow us no matter how long humanity lives to the end of time because he is a creation of our very first sin, shall we say. Now pass this back over to Colin. I, I kind of wish someone cooler had the sword now. <laughs> that, yeah. Spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> spoilers for the armless failure to come. <laughs> uh shout out shout out by the way to human Kane for that one. Thanks a lot for that first demon. Oh, pain. <laughs> and pain. and then he became a vampire, but that's an entirely different settings lore. <laughs> uh so I will move on. So after this first demon, humanity begins despite that little oopsie developing that you know develop farming iron pointy sticks to hurt each other with which not the most glamorous start but hey everyone starts somewhere and if nothing else this encompasses the romans and the romans were cool so human humans are already getting up to some good stuff but something substantial on the galactic stage was coming pretty soon it is believed by many that the future god emperor of mankind was born in the year 8000 BCE. 
Because even this early in the development, mankind had shamans, or psychers in all but name. But around this time, they were having some trouble interacting with the spiritual world and found out they couldn't reincarnate themselves because the demon would eat them before they could do it, or an enslaver, or something nasty in the warp. And in one final act of defiance, what else do they do but kill themselves? Which might sound a little bit whack at first, but this is Warhammer 40k. Because they all did it at once in some supreme ritual, their souls merged into one being. The pinnacle of humanity, whose power is such that it possibly rivals the old ones themselves. He would become the god emperor of mankind in due time, but for now, that's not his role. He's just, Sometimes he's just some bloke named Steve. <laughs> I don't know, but, just, but I mean, it's just quite impressive that you know, like Eldar had all these gods, given all this stuff, and had these empires. And it's like us, just a few suicides already. We've got like one of the most powerful things ever. Awesome, and we only had like a few sticks to do it with. Perfect. <laughs> That's one way to look at it. I look at it as the Eldar didn't need to kill themselves to make a god; they could Ooh. just do it. Well, it, it, no one gets you know to, the, to the fair, silver spoon straight away. You know, to be fair, he's is not it. he is not the god emperor of mankind yet. Yet, indeed, but, but he yet. will be. He will be. But for now, even to give Biggie his credit, future Biggie his credit, he guides humanity throughout the ages. Sometimes as one of their greatest figures. For instance, given the Imperium's obsession with Latin or High Gothic, I suppose. There's pretty decent odds Julius Caesar was, in fact, the future emperor. Other times, though, he, he took more of a back, background role. He was, he was channeling his side character energy. Be that a background scientist helping someone else make a great discovery, or just simple man doing his best to help out the rest of mankind. And eventually, mankind would reach the stars, and this is when the emperor's work truly began. But that is a story we will get to later. I assure you. Early on, to get back to humanity, before we get back to the best race, uh, they developed FTL travel, but it was, or pardon me, they developed space travel, but it was li limited to sublight speeds. Travel took decades or more in these massive colony ships, and because of that, growth was slow as all get out. Useless. <clears throat> Pretty much. Like, I believe it's, it's four years. How long have they had for this? And humanity's already now starting to become a player in on in the big game, and they're like, "We've been around millions of years. We've just sorted this out, and it's not even good." Ugh. It's not Ugh. quite. Yeah, it's not quite implied uh, how long it took the other races, but for particularly if you are if you are new to Warhammer as well, it's a sort of a there is a kind of mimicry of how the we are almost similar to the Necrons in a way where we follow a similar path of perhaps potentially over millennia. It, um, we eventually developed a kind of a very slow form of travel, so but with much less less radiation poisoning, and you know, yeah, we, we <laughs> human the the sun is not space cancer. The, the and I like to think that while the elder are still figuring out the space stuff, the orcs are just like put that on there, that on there. <laughs> oh, I can travel planets, <laughs> Daka. The, you in, know. the interesting part is the it is it is entirely lost to time. The the uh, how quickly the Eldar became spacefaring. It was, it's heavily implied that the old ones were very hands-on in their early creation. And so they may have actually, you know, I, I had to give a point to Colin. <laughs> they may have actually had it almost much faster than humanity ever did. 
or that they've probably had some help. Yeah, Essentially, we we need space gods. We need you in space right now. Here's a spaceship. Go throw lightning at that robot. The worst kind of bubble wrap parents. They were like, right, we'll give you space travel and the psychic powers and all this stuff. Oh, it's okay. Don't worry. You didn't earn it. Just have it. Yeah. Damn, it's just, it's a tough crowd. <laughs> mm. I'm just saying how it is. You know. Yeah. All right, buddy. <laughs> Anyways, with the warp drives invention. In the 18th millennium, which, if my millennial dating is correct, would be the 17,000s years, travel was cut down. Doesn't have quite the same ring to it, but this no. is when it happened. Uh, travel went from years to weeks or even days. And humanity, much like the Necrons did, exploded across the galaxy, coming into contact with countless alien races that had sprung up since the War in Heaven's ending allowed life to develop on its own again without robots or space frog gods ruining everything for some poor alien race. Mm. So luckily for the burgeoning human race, the Eldari saw no need to intervene in the civilization's doings. Their lives were so perfect and their mastery of the galaxy unchallenged by this, even at this point, they had essentially drawn themselves inwards. There was no reason for them to intervene because if they tried to start something, the Eldar would snap their fingers and then their sun would explode. So mankind developed unabated. And additionally, someone, if you're only a little bit familiar with Warhammer, you might go, why is humanity making friends with these people? They hate aliens. At this point in history, not the case. Mankind, if anything, was excited to meet all the aliens they could and make friends with them. So, ultimately, there was no reason for any genocidal-scale fighting to occur. Yet. Yet. Big, big yet. Big yet. <laughs> this still does turn into 40k, so it's a big yet. Thank the Emperor. And, <laughs> and speaking of yet, ever since the War in Heaven, the warp, even though it had calmed down a bit, was still a very violent place to be in. While the Eldar and their gods could interact with it with impunity... In the corners of unreality, three horrible dark beings finally came into being. This millions-year-old war, the war in heaven, was of such magnitude that in the dawn of mankind, it only took the final shove of humanity, their emotions, to create these three gods of chaos. Quite frankly, it's likely that these beings would have still come into being without mankind, but human history is the easiest way to mark their births. So for the first one, hell... Why don't you let us know who he was? So, as we talked about in the beginner section, it was during the medieval period of humanity that we had the birth of Corn, the god of war and bloodshed. His ascension was, it's almost, it, I like the phrasing, I once heard a quote which I always liked, which is, it's such a quiet thing to fall. And the kind of, the coalescence of these dark gods is an, it's an almost, no, it's no notice taken of it, but yet it's like a an awful seed planted. And Corn himself is just absolutely, you know, he, he is the embodiment of, particularly in our own minds, is a reflection of just murder, war, bloodshed. He is he is martial combat on the field. He is strength personified. He is war itself. And as we unfortunately 
may know with humanity, we have never been able to quite separate ourselves from war. It's actually mm. thought that the first demon prince, funny enough, in Warhammer history might have actually been Genghis Khan himself. So <laughs> Epic. Epic. Uh, it is not hard to understand why. <laughs> but yeah, so Corn Corn is the birth of let's it, it encompasses word perfectly of chaos. He is a chaotic, evil, uh terrible creation, and it is now with us. And I'll pass it back to Colin for the next chaos god. Of course. Before, before you say anything, I just had a really like imagine if Demon Prince uh, Genghis Khan met Jagatai Khan. That would be interesting. They could have a big fight with swords. That'd be real nice. See who's like Khan. Khan. <laughs> Khan in a good who's, face. <laughs> who's, who's the real master of rapid warfare? <laughs> Demon horses or jet bikes? <laughs> oh, sounds kind of cool, actually. To be fair, that does, but. For now, it is the time of the next god, Nurgle, the god of despair and pestilence. Though he's also the god of acceptance of times to come, the endurance required to make it through hardship with a smile on your face. He came about during the Black Death and the years to follow, as that plague ravaged all quarters of the earth from Europe to the Americas. And as a quick side note to every sophomore history student about to go correct me in the comments, I am aware the Black Death did not reach America, but plague took out about 90% of the Native Americans, so it still counts. Okay? Thank you very much. Back to hell for the last god and my history rant. <laughs> yeah, so this is the birth of the third god of chaos. This is the birth of Zinch. Which yuck. Is, yuck. Yeah, so he, he <laughs> supposedly arrived during the Renaissance era, and Zinch himself is... The changer of ways. He is the god of magic, scheming, ambition, hope of a better future. He is, he knows every single future and yet he knows none of the futures. He is plot incarnate himself. And he is a perversion, shall we say, of our most enlightened thinking. He is the, he is that little voice in the back of your head saying that always could be more. He is a he is awful, and yet his even his imagery is chaotic, evil, and frightening himself. And I'll pass it back to Colin as we talk about humanity a bit more. Ooh. So, as we, as you probably notice, it's mostly been the Eldar, but as humanity will get their own little their own episode later. But to mostly wrap up with them, in the seven thousand years to follow until the middle of the twenty fifth millennium, humanity had their golden age. It was, there was conflict every now and then against Xenos, but nothing that mankind couldn't handle. Every race that was defeated was defeated fairly soundly, but instead of being exterminated, they were forced into a galactic federation. Mankind, even against enemies that wanted them dead, was, depending on your viewpoint, either kind enough or naive enough to not just wipe them out. But as everything does, all good things must come to an end. And around the 25th millennium, the Age of Strife began, and Humanity's Galactic Federation ended, their mankind's prominence only to come thousands of years later. By the 30th millennium, Humanity was a little better than squabbling, disparate planets isolated from one another. 
as it suffered a near complete collapse of governance, technology, and culture. Poor Andy. To get- he's, he's, he's not happy about that. So she- he is. Sorry, you, you were talking about like collapse, and there was a police siren going on outside. I'm just going to add. I'm just going to add to this particular bit. I'm just going to mute for a second. So yeah, no, pa. all propaganda. Pa. Your precious Imperium is coming. Our but precious for- Imperium. <laughs> but for now, it, we get back to the Eldar. Now. I know, Hal, you said it was a quick rise and fall, but I want to dwell on that time span they had for a moment. 60 million years of complete dominance of the galaxy. You could say, yes, there's decent chances that a lot of that happened because the old one gave them what they needed. But for 60 million years, they did not misstep once. They did not ruin the galaxy. They did not corrupt it. They ruled it perfectly, essentially. Other races yeah. developed on their own. The other races were allowed to develop on their own. They did not ruin them. They did not in any way stop that unless the race decided to wage war on them, whereupon that race vanished. And all that occurred in the interim between the war in heaven and the Imperium, humanity's expansion included, occurred because they either allowed it to or they couldn't be bothered to stop it because it was so beneath their time they would need a microscope. They surfed stars in their pastime. Worlds were seeded to be a paradise. Millions of years later, through bioengineering, to suit the elders, every whim and want, without the need for any development, they could go on that world, and it's basically heaven. And on top of this, upon death, their souls, but not their memories, would reincarnate to experience the world anew. After a brief stay in the warp, of course, to enjoy heaven, because... I don't know who wouldn't want to be in heaven for a bit. It's heaven. It's a nice holiday. Like, you know, get, <laughs> get a quick, get a quick break. Take from heaven. <laughs> for the Eldar, the afterlife was basically a holiday before they get back at it. Yeah, just got back from that life, uh, brother. Oh, that was a long one. <laughs> so, you know. How long did it take them to learn how to space travel again? I'm just, I'm 60 million years they've been around. It was lost to they time. Have- space traveled all of those 60 million years, both through the warp and the webway. I don't know. Li- li- they literally were given God mode, reincarnation mode, infinite lives. They were gi- they were given so many cheat codes to start with. I'm not surprised. It's but not about humanity, given, 15 million. They're like, it. right, we're going to be a, <laughs> we're going to be a match one day, and if we only needed like like 40 million years, well, 30 million, 30 million, 30,000 years from like, yeah, that's quite a that's quite a difference. You know, that's what like, hold on, divide 60 million by 30,000. It's a lot. It's a lot of different. Had it not time. been for one key thing I'll get to, humanity would have been squashed. But we will get to that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they surfed. Uh, I already said that. Pardon me. I was repeating myself in my indignity over, <laughs> over this. <laughs> I'm basically just poking him with a stick every five minutes. <laughs> uh, the Eldar. Something else very important to know about them, because it explains why exactly they fell, is that they experienced emotion and the world at a level that would drive anyone else insane. The height of pleasure and the depths of despair a a human can feel is nothing to an Eldar. They can still feel, you know, mildly annoyed, but their capacity for love, for rage, for depression is far beyond anything any other race can feel. And by this point, after 60 million years of unchallenged rule, the war in heaven, the divine one that was literally in heaven, from Isha's tears to the slaughter of their kind by Cain, had went from a fresh memory 
to something they barely remember, a long-forgotten myth. Even in their long lives, 60 million years is a bit of a time. But all of this emotional experience they could feel, their rulership, it came with a cost. It may have taken millions of years to be paid, but once it was, it would rip the galaxy asunder for all time. So really quickly, we'll just talk about them for a bit more. I'm sorry, I just can't help myself. No, enjoy uh, it. This, this is, this is the Eldar. <laughs> this is my time. <laughs> and Andy needs they're... to suffer through this part. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have plenty of suffering later on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's, but their cities were all works of art, dictated by the whims of those in it. Their lives were so for so long dominated by their whims rather than a need that meant each Eldar city was dictated by the masses. Their buildings were a mix of old natural and alien architecture that, by all rights, shouldn't exist. But between their mastery of science and the psychic world, it did. And their empire held treasures beyond imagining, to the point that, even nowadays, we're going to former Eldar worlds is a great way to lose your soul. Craftworld Eldar still mount expeditions to claim those lost treasures and risking their very souls. For example, devices that can just kidnap a star from its system it's in and take it somewhere else, and weapons capable of causing psychic plagues that can only be cured when the person who started it feels it's time to stop it, are just a few of the examples of their utterly insane technology. That's inc- I mean, you can't almost, you cannot really fathom that level of uh, just power, like raw like the one with the psychic plague one is kind of really dark in a way. It, I I love that that grim dark aspect of it just being up to the whim of the person using it, which is an Eldar, so you know it's probably ultimate levels of pettiness too. Yeah, it's essentially hope you didn't make that man angry because otherwise your entire planet now has super cholera, and it's only going to stop when he decides. I think you've had enough. Oof. He's given your planet crabs. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an image. <laughs> uh, but even this mighty empire must come to an end. And beginning around the 25th, 4th, and 25th millennia, mirroring humanity's own fall, cults of pleasure began to form the Eldar Empire. After all these millions of years of enjoying the universe, not feeling any sort of spiritual corruption, they had finally grown bored. They had everything. They had done everything. There was nothing left they felt the material world had to offer them. And from this sense of boredom, which, again, remember what I said about their emotions. The most bored you've ever felt would be an elder like, yeah, I guess it's a bit of a slow, slow day, I guess. This was a boredom that set into their very souls. And that's how these cults of pleasure set up. They advocated not just enjoying the fruits of their labor, what they had earned and inherited, but to see just what they can get up to. And for that reason, in the span of only a few thousand years, this million-year-old empire rapidly had a moral degradation take place within them. And to give them still some credit, at first it was something that, admittedly, even most humans are prone to. And with that, Eli, I know you're a big well, fan of Slanesh. Yeah, we have something for I, you to read. I think there, there's a quote I'd quite like you to and read. We would like the, <laughs> we'd like the kind, lovely Eli. <laughs> okay. 
A get-together with friends turned into the single most legendary cocaine-fueled party you've ever been to. The Eldar frequently did the sex. <laughs> P.N.V. epic style, I will add. Such things, arguably, were not the worst thing to happen. I mean, who doesn't love a good bender? But it only got worse. It got bloody. <laughs> Thank you very much. I feel like it's the initial codex quote right there. <laughs> yeah, I, I I pulled it out from the uh, the seventh edition Eldar oh, that's, codex. Okay, that's, that's called a war yeah. crime. <laughs> <laughs> making, oh. making Eli read it too because Eli, <laughs> you're so nice. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's so wrong. Oh. <laughs> the, the, the war crimes are going to get worse in a moment. But you know, like I said, even at first, it was like you know, it's. You know, some, some degen stuff, but nothing that, you know, people don't get up to. But then it got worse. Now, to be fair with you, uh, none of this is explicitly stated. Uh, but it is simply said that the Eldar reached new and new heights of degeneracy every day. Uh, so I took some creative liberties, shall we say it. <laughs> uh, the cocaine at these parties started getting cut with Eldar blood. <laughs> The the sex turned into murdering your lover and then probably eating him. And since the Eldar reincarnate, he could return the favor once he's back. Damn. Uh, True. Torture of fellow Eldar became the dominant art form of Eldar society. And towards the end, it's said that rivers of blood ran through the streets of the Eldar Empire as Eldar turned on Eldar in their quest to experience the height of pleasure. They, they make and the Emperor's children look tame, basically. Pretty much. And Towards the end of even all this, all of that became mundane, and they pushed themselves further and further. They figured this whole time, we're immune to anything, any consequences, there will be none. And at that point, who could blame them? This is coming off of 60 million years of anything that tried to fight them, or in any way challenge them, just getting control alt deleted from existence. They had no needs, they were post-scarcity in every way. And in the webway of the old ones... For those who are wondering when I would bring these fellas up, those Eldar who committed deeds too dark for even the rest of the race, which, dear God, imagine that, mm. gathered in hidden realms to push this depravity to even further heights. But for a race as powerful in psychic matters as the Eldar, the consequences in the warp were only getting worse and worse, though they didn't know it yet. The Eldar gods themselves, having been deprived of their worship, were deprived of their power and so could not prevent what was coming. Cain was angry, as he always is, but angrier than what usual. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, went, he, he went from a 10 to 11 in this case, and angry. Isha wept, which, again, what else is new? She's at a 10 to 11 in the crying. And Assyrian, once again, as he does, simply was like, well, can't deal with this. I'm going to just turn away. And worst of all, a new god was beginning to form, one whose gestation drove the Eldar to greater heights of degeneracy, furthering the cycle. Hal, why don't you let us know who was born? So, within the Warhammer universe, there are consequences for every emotion, feeling, and anything that is related to sentience, it unfortunately has a mirror within the warp. And like so, for every time that I've been poking Colin, he's been adding to the power of corn gradually. Just I've been adding to the power of slowly. Cain. Oh, corn. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. So, oh, Cain. Oh, God. Uh, so, for the Eldari, the worst 
had was now at their doorstep. So all of that they had done, all that they had become, it it was not consequence free. And so around the 30th millennium of our human calendar, because the Eldari one went, one went back a lot further, um, all of this excess, this uh, depravity, this just absolute stomach churning acts and these stomach churning feelings as well, their emotions in the warp, it finally started to coalesce. And just as we had three different gods of chaos, a new God of Chaos was born, Slanesh, the god Woo. of yes, <laughs> the god of pleasure. Guys are finally here. The prescient cheer for that. <laughs> this Slanesh is the god of pleasure and excess. It is. It is a he. It is a she. It is all things far and in between. It is. It is Eldari, or it is the Eldari in its uh, imagery. It is just the most horrifying thing you can imagine. And Slanesh's birth is, it is not a quiet thing. It is mm-hmm. quite, it is so apocalyptically damaging to the Warhammer universe that the scars remain even to the 40th millennium. Ripped a hole in space. It, at, yes, with the Eye of Terror. And this, the death this ex- this explosion of this new god, it is a tide of corruption, of, of flesh, of demons, and it washes over the entirety of the Eldari Empire. People, the Eldari themselves, are just, they are almost gone in an instant. An entire race, you know, a trillions upon trillions, maybe not trillions, but, but billions upon billions of Eldari. Or- I'd say trillions. I said maybe trillions is fair, but they all their hopes, their dreams, their any even anything redeeming about them is essentially washed over by their own sins. And this new god Slanesh is born a monument to the sins. A little Halo reference, everyone enjoyed that. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> so I'll pass it back to uh, Colin for the consequences of this birth. So a few of the Eldar did manage to either get away or avoid it entirely, depending on where they were. Those who had managed to get away in the craft worlds, or yeah, the, the Eldar craft worlds, which to once again boost my Eldar ego, uh, were called primitive by their fellows, which just, just for context, a something, a magical spaceship the size of a planet was primitive of them. Just, you know, there's someone else for you to chew on for a bit. Uh, those who got away in time were free from Slanesh's birth. They had taken pretty much all of the bits of Eldar culture they could with them. Plants and animals or relics you could never create again. And everyone they could fit onto the craft worlds that was willing to go, they took and got out of Dodge as quick as they could. Others who had fled a bit earlier went to the Maiden Worlds, which were those planets the Eldar had seeded ages ago. And they became the Exodite Eldar. And those who were the worst of all, which is again really saying something... Welled in the dark city of Kamara and became the Dark Eldar. They were sheltered from Slanesh's burst in the webway, since it's its own little sub-dimension highway tunnel thing. All others were instantly devoured into the maw of Slanesh to be tormented and feasted upon for all of eternity. 
He's too happy about that, I swear. I know he is. Yeah, yeah, nice uh, tasty souls. Mm. Conveniently skipping over its one Eldar, three mankind. But no, it's okay. It's okay. We can skip over that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they were behind the big wall that was ripped in the universe by the Eldar. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. They were kind of tucked away a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, back to the Eldar, though. They're gods just because they're gods didn't mean they were free from this. Nearly all of them, too, were consumed alongside their children. Assyrian, the king, had one final noble act for his people, gave what of his power he could to the Eldar survivors, making them even more psychic. But in the end, he too was devoured. Only three of them managed to avoid the initial slaughter. Kegarak, or Kakarot, or whatever you'd Kegarat, like to call him. Yeah, yeah Shiagorath. <laughs> Goku yeah. drip uh, god. Goku. Grinny <laughs> <laughs> McGrin face. Exactly. The, the prime clown, the laughing god of the Eldar for a bit more formal title. He fled. He saw that st- it was going south. He wanted nothing to do with this. He was like, I'm out. Have fun, everyone else. I'm going to the webway. Isha, the goddess of life, uh, sat there crying. Uh, for some reason, <laughs> she eat her right away. Probably saved her for last because she's like, oh, that's not a threat I need to worry about. Uh, was actually rescued from Slanesh by Nurgle, though, given that he's also a Chaos God, rescue might be a bit of a strong word, but he she's not... <laughs> yeah. happily... princess Peach, and he was Bowser. <laughs> They're happily she's... married now, what are you talking about? Yeah, uh, sure. She was trying something uh, different, which was crying. So <laughs> <laughs> she, She's not stuck with Slanesh, which, is, which at this point is a W. <laughs> a much worse fate, let's be honest. And... Mighty Cain alone stood against Slanesh, and though he was unable to defeat him, her, she who thirsts as the Elder calls Slanesh, Cain in turn held up to her, and they were caught in a divine stalemate. Until someone with a vaguely similar name, the first Chaos God, Korn, decided he's got other plans in mind for the bloody-handed. Since Cain is also a god of war, Korn said that Cain is his property. Since he's an Eldar god, Slaneshusi said that he was hers. Slaneshusi, had to get it in. Evil man. He was caught as he was between these two divine powers. Cain shattered, and this made it even worse for the Eldar because the last full god they have that was involved is now shattered into pieces, and all those, however many bits of him there were spread throughout the nascent craft worlds and drove many of the Eldar survivors to violent insanity as the god of war took root in their home. So they got out of Dodge of Slanesh, and then Cain comes back in with the steel chair for the second time in history (laughs) and makes them all nuts. And funnily enough, to go back to something earlier, in a way, Lilia's prophecy finally became true. Cain was shattered by the mortal Eldar's actions, though no one really saw it coming this way. And to make it worse of them, worse for the Eldar, whenever they died, they didn't just reincarnate and then chill out with their gods for a while. Now they're pulled straight into Slaanesh's waiting embrace, because much like the Catan found souls quite tasty, Slaanesh finds Eldar just delicious. The finest KFC you've ever had in your life. Tasty morsel. Slaanesh. Pretty much. M25. And worse for everyone, Eldar included, but this one actually affects everyone else. When Slanesh was born, the very fabric of reality just couldn't handle it. And in the what was once the heart of the Eldar Empire, reality and the Morped Word merged, 
not worged, forming the Eye of Terror, a gateway to the warp spilling out into reality where planets and beings of nightmare now existed, where the once great Eldar homeworlds once did. And with that, the galaxy is probably in the worst shape it's ever been. Thanks, Eldar. Thank you, everyone. Uh, no, thank you, Necrons. <laughs> we can all blame this back on the Necrons. I love like the Chaos Gods as a kind of byproduct for humanity during this whole kerfuffle. They they basically all just, well, I've seen, they just went, yoink. Like, Nurgle, I'm having her. Kane's <laughs> just like, uh, Korn's just like, I'm having him. Just like, oh, this is our time to just have some. Oh, I'll just nick that. Yeah, it's fine. Like They're flea market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very just watching going, <laughs> Going to the Eldar barbecue. I like to imagine <laughs> Zinch wanted Kegarak since they're both schemey fellas. Mm, but the clown god, like, the clown god was too smart. He's like, nope, nope, not gonna involve you. Yeah. Have fun, everyone. Being friends I'm out. Man. Yeah, no, no way. No thanks. Uh, but though everything was a, a bit messy, to say the least, there was light at the tunnel for everyone. The, although the Eldar were fractured, they managed to weather the storm. The Crawford's developed methods to keep their souls safe from Slanesh, those spirit stones coming in handy again, and they formed the path system, as it would come to be known as, to keep their extreme emotions in check, so that never again could they fall to these depths of emotion. The Exodites would pass into their maiden world spirit upon death, because they're wood elves and live in trees, and of course they die in trees too. Ted Kaczynski elves. Jesus Christ. Jesus. <laughs> can, we a, can we get a picture of Ted with pointy ears? <laughs> you know, the revolution and its consequences have been a disaster to Eldar kind. If, yeah. if you want to commission that artwork. <laughs> Eli's a little bit more savage than I'd like. Give yeah, exactly. <laughs> a bit dark, I thought. <laughs> oh, God. And to get back to things being bad, uh, though not for these this group of Eldar, those who would continue on their damned path, because when you create a god that eats all of your race, what else do you do but double down? They were safe in the webway from the worst effects and found ways to repair their souls through the suffering of others. And, and this next sentence is going to hurt me to say, so Andy, please keep your gloating until I'm done in. Rub I beg of you. I'm sure you are. Though the story of the Eldar does not end here, the focus of the galactic stage was shifting. After 60 million years... Uh, just just, just to reiterate the birth of Sanesh while it meant that warp travel was impossible for the Eldar because she would just eat them if they went in there had finally rid the galaxy of the warp storms that had made FTL travel impossible this led to the second rise of a species long due its dominance of the galaxy mankind with the emperor leading the charge Ooh. and that Ooh. was the fall of the Eldar the, the longest-running empire, the rise and fall. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Don't forget the rise part. <laughs> I, of course, everyone else did. Oof. <laughs> they there, certainly didn't. <clears throat> are there any questions you two uh, wonderful listeners have? Uh, <laughs> is there any more poking with the stick? You <laughs> I'm done poking. I, I promise, I'm done poking now. <laughs> Eli, anything? So I, I haven't got a question, but there's something else I might just mention. But he's just digesting all of that. <laughs> it was a lot, to be fair. Isn't it? Yeah. Entire mm-hmm. race's history. In a, a quick, a quick sixty million year long history lecture. <laughs> Yo, dog, you got it. Was you did very well years. at telling it. That was. I would be. It would be nice to have more Exodite Eldar 
focus. I don't think Games Workshop really ever talks about them often, do they? It would, and I know this is 40k, but it really bothers me because the Wood Elves are really cool and also absolutely yes. psychotic. Yep, they're awesome. Uh, but there's no Exodite lore. Ex- there, there is Exodite lore. I can tell you it all right now. Here's a quick <laughs> bonus. The yeah. Exodites are there. Someone is killing them. Help <laughs> save them. The end. <laughs> there's there's your quick bonus episode. Dang. Well, the, uh, oh. They make a short appearance in The Infinite and the Divine uh, book series <laughs> with Trezin. And they're an excuse to put your Eldar models on dinosaurs. That is very <laughs> true. Well, thank mm-hmm. you all very much for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. Uh, put in the comment section um, any sort of questions you have or maybe your favourite piece, maybe a favourite comment one of us made. <laughs> Hopefully nothing too rude. <laughs> well, before we end, is it right if I just mentioned one? Because I didn't have any questions, but I did have um, one thing which I thought was kind of interesting hearing Colin talking about it and, and Hal as well. It's interesting to see how, like, the three big players, quote, the Necrons, Eldar, and Humanity all had different outcomes, which all kind of went the same way. Like, the Necron had nothing, and they they had the worst situation, still had a really, really tough time. Eldar, mm. given everything, and they did all right for a while, and they still messed it up. And then, like, Humanity's in that middle ground where they didn't have much, but they have more than the Necrons, and they had way less than the Eldar. And they had a galaxy that was kind of at peace by the time they got started, but then... They're, they're like the scroungers of the of the universe. It's like, oh, we found all this stuff that other people <laughs> left here. And then it's mm-hmm. like, oh, that's not cool. That big eye of terror, that's kind of annoying and scary. That's Ooh, a bit rough. this pylon from the Necrons. Thank you. And yeah, I just found that quite interesting. I think it's a theme within Warhammer of Pyrrhic victory. You, you, yeah. might, you kind of win, but you have lost nearly everything. It's like, congratulations, you barely made it through. Good job. Yeah. It's like a job interview you come out of and your your entire like suit is destroyed. <laughs> but you got the job. <laughs> One of your shoes is on fire, but still. Oh, pain. Uh, thank you all mm. for uh, listening, for watching. Uh, make sure, again, like and subscribe if you enjoyed it. Uh, any suggestions for topics is welcome as well. We are We'd love to hear... You know, whatever you guys want to hear or anything, if you're new to Warhammer, any uh, topics you think, wow, that's really interests me, you know, we'd love to give it a go. So thank you all very much for listening. Thank you. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Take care. Thank you.